This is the first Sunday of the month of November. November is unique in our church year in that uh, in this month, in a particular way, we pay for those who have died. This begins on All Souls Day. It was November 2nd, which we celebrated. It continues throughout the month. Um, today is also a day that we celebrate, and this coming week we celebrate vocations. It's Vocation Awareness Week. Both of which, both of those things, uh, make no sense if we don't believe in what's called the resurrection. You, you Christians, believe in what's called the resurrection of the dead. And that's different from what everybody else believes. That's really important. And believing in that and being aware of that and having that perspective changes everything. So again, it's really important that we have the the appropriate perspective in mind. And the resurrection and what Jesus calls the coming age affects the way that we, we pray and act when somebody dies, affects the way that we think about our lives and our mission. The ways in which we even think about this part of our life. Usually we call this part of our life, our life. But this is just a little part of it, right? Because there's a whole other part that's coming. If anything, this is the small part. This is kind of the intro. These are the trailers before the movies. Like, we're not even, folks, we're just getting started. You who are old as heck, you know yourself. Yeah, even you, you're just getting started. Like, this is just the beginning. There's a lot more to come. And again, when we lose that perspective, things go awry. And then, yeah, it's hard to, to be Christians. Okay, so first, in this month, we pray for those who have died. Normally, we pray that they're in heaven. Uh, We pray that they're being healed and purified. But again, we want to remember that what comes, what awaits us, is not just cloud town. Sometimes we think of heaven as cloud town. You know what I'm talking about, the cartoons? It's partly cloudy, looks pretty boring and miserable, and you just stay there forever. That's not the end of the story. That's not what we believe. We believe that one day Jesus is going to come, and the dead will be raised, and they will be given bodies, but glorified bodies incredible bodies that we can't fathom yet that participate in the fullness of love and of God. So that's what awaits. But right now, we do pray for those who have died. And we pray specifically because we believe in what's called purgatory. Purgatory is a teaching that's got some weird ideas around it, but it's actually very simple. What's purgatory? Purgatory is this idea that when you die, you're probably not perfect. I think I'm going to get there to perfection, but you guys, you're probably toast, right? No. No, so when we die, especially me because I'm arrogant, um, when we die, we're not perfect. And to experience the infinity of God's love and joy, you have to be perfect. Or also to just blow the fuse. Your, your insecurities and your woundedness and your sickness and mine, it's a fuse that'll blow. We can't handle infinite love. No, so we need to be purified and healed to receive all the infinite joy of heaven. So there must be a process from where we go to kind of wounded and flawed and, and broken at the end of our lives perfect. That process of healing and purification is called purgatory. Purgatory is the healing and the entrance into the joy of heaven. Purgatory is not this middle ground where it's like, are you going to go to hell? Are you going to go to heaven? Who knows? No, no, no. Your judgment and my judgment happens at the, end, at the time of death. And then, hopefully, yeah, we are healed and enter into the infinity of God's love. So when we pray for the dead, we're praying that they may be healed and enter into the joy of heaven. We do that throughout the month of November. There's a couple customs that we do here at the parish that would be helpful to know about, especially if you're not accustomed to it. First off, there's this basket in front of the altar. In this basket, it's a bunch of pieces of paper. In the back, there's more pieces of paper. On it, people just put the names of people that they love. And during all the Masses in November, we pray for those who have died, that they may be entering into the joy of heaven. So we do that at every Mass. At All Souls Day, we pray for all the faithful departed, anybody that's died in union with God. And this year we remembered in a particular way loved ones from this parish who died in the past year. 
To commemorate them, we lit candles, and those are placed over in front of the mosaic of the resurrected Jesus. Okay, so that's what those candles are doing there. Each of those represents a person who you love, who passed away in the past year that we're praying for. Okay, uh, we're also talking about vocations. And I kind of alluded to the fact that I think vocations don't really make sense unless we have the proper perspective. And that perspective is, where do we come from and where are we going? And the truth is, it's the same answer for both. And the very simple answer, the simplest way to put it, is God. We come from God. And we're destined for God. We're destined for communion with God. And that changes everything about us. In a particular way, the way that we're supposed to live our lives. Let me explain. God is love. Amen? This is the spiel. If you're like, is he going to do the spiel? This is the spiel. You know the spiel. So God is love. What sort of love is he? He's the love that gives itself, that pours itself out. So from all eternity, God the Father pours himself out in a gift of love. He holds nothing back. And he gives himself to completely and without restraint that the love that he pours out is so real and perfect and infinite that it is another person called the Son. So God the Son is begotten of the Father's love. He is the gift of the Father's love. He receives everything he is and everything he has from his dad. And so he too is love and he too is God. And so what does he do? Well, he gives himself because that's what love does. And so he gives himself back to his dad in a perfect, infinite gift of love. He doesn't hold himself back. He doesn't protect himself. He doesn't try to contain himself. No, he gives himself completely. And so powerful is the love between God the Father and God the Son that it is infinite and almighty and it is another person called the Holy Spirit. So that's what God is. God is an eternal outpouring and receiving of love. You are made in the image and likeness of God. What does that mean? It means your life only makes sense when it becomes an outpouring, a total outpouring and a receiving of love. To the extent that we do that, we become what are called saints. We become healed. We become holy. We become children of God. To the extent we do not do that, we become sinful. Sin is an interruption in the outpouring of love. It's a turning in on ourselves. It's a taking from others. No, that's not what we're made for. We're made for love. Each of you and I are called in a specific way to give ourselves away as a gift of love. I'll say that again. You and I, each of us, are called in a specific way to give ourselves away as a gift of love. Another word for that is a vocation. That's your calling. Everybody has that calling together. Each of us are called to be a gift. Which, please, please notice that. That means that you're a gift. That's a really important idea. And if you're a gift, then you must be really good. So you're a good thing that is destined to be given. Just one more time. Hey, you're a gift. It's good that you're here. And there's a great dignity in that. So each of us are called to give the gift of our lives away. Okay, that looks different for different people. Many of you have already chosen how to do that, and that's through what? That's through marriage. If you didn't know it, the day of your wedding, you gave yourself away. You said, hey, I'm all yours. I give myself completely to you, no matter what happens. Through thick and thin, good and bad, I'm yours. Right, and in doing that, you become like God. God wants to help with that, and he wants to participate in that. And there's a very real way that the way in which you give yourself to your spouse is supposed to teach them what God is like. Ugh, that's kind of scary, right? Right? If the, if the, only, pers- the only thing that, that, that your spouse knew about God is the way that you love them and give yourself as a gift to them, like, how you doing? That's a good question. Especially if it's been a few years, yeah? Because we tend to kind of slump. Even as a priest, you tend to slump. 
Like, are you still giving your life as a gift to that person? First, do you see yourself as a gift? That's really important. And then are you still giving yourself as a gift? Are you still loving them as a gift? When's the last time you just gave something gratuitous and delightful to your spouse? That's an important question because that's what makes you alive. That's what makes you like God. Also, vice versa, do you still see your spouse as a gift? The opposite is to take No, they're not. No, they're a gift that happens to be given to you, but you don't own them. No, you receive them. So do we see our spouses, do we see each other as, as a gift? So we often think of vocations as, I need, this is when Father Scott needs to talk to the young people and they need to go be the nuns and the priests, which hopefully that's part of it because God is calling us to live heroic gifts of ourselves. He's calling people, probably in this church, to be priests, to be nuns. What is a nun? It's a woman who's been so captivated by God and his love and beauty that she gives her whole self to him. If we think of nuns as kind of like dusty and cold and tired and mean, like, oh, you don't know what nuns are. Like, you don't know the right nuns. I've got some friends, numerous friends of mine who are religious sisters, and they are passionate and deeply in love and full of joy. I mean, it's crazy. It's like God's real. I mean, they are, they are alive. If we think nuns are sad, you don't know God, and you don't know nuns. What's a priest? A priest is called, what's my job? Is to give my life to you and to your souls. To lay down my life. To try to get you to heaven as an instrument of God's love. That's kind of scary too. I mean, in the same way of your spouses, your job is to show a glimpse of what God is like. God has asked me, and again, this seems crazy, to give you some sense of what he's like. To live my life in service to you. Do I do that well? No. I mean, sometimes. Not great. Sometimes I do. Sometimes it shines out. Sometimes it doesn't. It gets pretty cloudy. But that's the question. What's a good priest? He's not entertaining. He doesn't say good homilies. He's not charming. Play the banjo, yada, yada, yada. No. What's a good priest? A good priest is a a priest that gives his life to another in fidelity and love. So that's what our vocation is, to do something heroic. Because this is the time of great heroism, because we live in a broken world, and to live as God wants, that's going to cost you something. But we do so in light of our destiny, of where we're headed. Those of you who are married, um, how long are you married till? There's a very definitive answer. Till one of you dies, right? Until death. Jesus is, is wrestling with some people here. So he's talking to the Sadducees. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. That's why they're so sad, you see. It's from a kid's song. Remember? I don't want to be a Sadducee because they're so sad, you see. I learned that as a kid. Anyway, Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. So they make up this nonsense story to try to trick Jesus and to be like, see, heaven can't be real because if this married, this lady married seven brothers, then when they all get to heaven, that's going to be pretty awkward, right? And then whose wife is she going to be? Therefore, there's no heaven. Death is the end. That's what the Sadducees believe. And Jesus is like, no, you're mistaken. But also you're mistaken in what your idea of heaven is because if you think of heaven as just more of the same, like, oh, you're totally wrong. No, heaven is infinite joy. Heaven is being alive ten times as alive as you are right now. Heaven is glory. It's beauty beyond anything and it's seeing God face to face. In heaven, everybody's married. But you're not married to these people. Who are you married to? Well, to God. In heaven, God will belong totally to you and you will belong totally to him. Marriage is supposed to be preparation for heaven. 
Living into the gift and receiving of your marriage is training for the day that God will wed you, that you will become his spouse, that God will give himself to you completely and you will give yourself to him completely and you will live in communion. That's what we're destined for. A priest or a religious brother or religious sister, what are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be witnesses to the fact that this life is not the end. So we don't get married. Because why? Because there's a, a greater marriage that awaits us all. That's not to belittle your marriage. No, your marriage is incredible because it's training you and showing you what God is like. So that's really good. And our job is to support your marriage. But also our lives are a witness that, folks, something's coming. Something incredible. Otherwise, my life doesn't make any sense. Nuns don't make any sense. It's just weird. Yeah, but something's coming. We're destined for more. And there is an age to come. And, and every once in a while, it might be helpful to get, just ask the question of like, yeah, what do I want my story to be by the time I get to heaven? Do, do I want it to be like, um, yeah, I just I tried to make myself as comfortable as possible and not make any enemies and be polite, and then I died. And you're like, well, that's a terrible story. First story is a bunch of kids who the king wants them to do uh, faithless things, things against the faith of Israel, and they're like, do these bad things or we're going to torture you. And they're like, you can torture away, man. You don't get it because God's real and heaven's real and something's coming. So you can take my hands and you can cut off my hands and, my, and cut off my tongue. That's what happens to this kid. He's like, because I'm getting a new one in the resurrection. But I'm going to be faithful to God because God's going to be faithful to me. And he wants to give me everything. So do what you want. And they live lives of heroism. Your marriage, my priesthood, it's supposed to be heroic in some way. Some of you young people are being called to give yourself away in a heroic way that won't make sense to people. To do something dramatic with your life. And even if you're not married, yet there's a way in which God is calling you to love in a heroic way, in a beautiful way. He is calling you. That's what a vocation means. It's a calling. He's summoning you into the glory of who you are to do something beautiful. So that when you get to heaven, you'll get to talk about what God did through you in ways in which you showed his face to people and you didn't even realize it, perhaps. God loves you a lot. And he loves your life. It's really something beautiful and he loves the story of it and he wants to tell a beautiful story with you. He's not going to take your life away. But he wants to come really close to you and tell a really beautiful story of your life. And he's got a plan and it's really beautiful and it's heroic. And the heroism might be really small. It might be just loving people in secret ways even when they don't see it and they don't pay you back. It might, be, it might be like that, that's hidden, but that's still heroic. It might be forgiving people that do not deserve it in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's still heroic. It's beautiful. But he wants to do something really beautiful with your life. And if you mess up, like he's going to be right there. That doesn't ruin his plans. Like he, he stays with you. But at every moment, in the early part of your life or towards its twilight, whatever's going on, God is calling you into a way of loving that's really beautiful and he wants to do it with you. This is, our, this is our call, this is our vocation to give our lives away in love. And only in doing so do we truly become alive and truly become like God and we all want that deep down. I want to be like God. I want to be like my dad, my father in heaven who gives himself to me totally and completely. So I'll give you a moment to pray. I'd like you to ask Jesus two things. You don't have to, but I'd like you to. One, to show you that you're a gift. That you're really a gift. And then two, 
that he would help you to give yourself away as a gift because that's scary. So Jesus, please show me that I'm, I'm a gift and then help me to give my life as a gift of love.